Church, let's take our Bible this morning and let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And uh, if you're visiting with us, maybe for the first time today, we just want to say that we are glad that you're here and you are welcome uh, to be with us today. We hope that you enjoy uh, the good music and singing. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one right in the pew that's right in front of you. You can just open that up, and we're in the New Testament today, so if you let your Bible kind of fall open, just keep turning over to the right, you'll find these guys' names right there at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll be in the first one, Matthew chapter number 6. I remember a long time ago when I was uh, in high school and I was dating uh, an old guy in our church used to say, now son, every time you go on a date with a girl, make sure and put Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John between you. <laughs> so, uh, that might be some needed advice today for somebody. Matthew chapter number 6, the large numbers are the chapters and the small numbers are the verses. And so Matthew 6, today we'll be in verse 5 down through verse number 13. I just want to speak to you for a few minutes on the concept that it's in this text that true believers pray. True believers pray. So read the text here. You, you read silently, and I'll read out loud for us together, and then we'll pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Verse number 5 of Matthew 6. When you pray... You're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room and close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret, He'll reward you and He'll reward you openly. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles or the heathens do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer together. Our Father, now we come to You and we ask in the name of Your Son, Jesus, who... Uh, spoke these words. We ask for Your help and grace and strength. Lord, I pray for every individual in the room today that uh, our hearts and minds for just a few moments would be focused upon the words of Jesus, Lord. I think even lost people that are unbelievers that are here today would say that we must admit that even uh, even if we have not trusted in Christ, that Christ 
Jesus is a historical figure that is so much worthy of us listening and paying attention to what He has to say. And Lord, we believe here today that He is the Son of God and that He is the only way to heaven and that He has the uh, He is the author of the words of life. And so we believe today that supremely these words are valuable and important and life-giving for us. And so I pray that You would speak to every person. Lord, if there's one here that is an unbeliever, I pray that You would challenge them in their heart and mind. And Lord, I pray that You would convict them over their sin and that they have gone astray from You and that You would bring them to uh, turning into faith in Jesus Christ much the way that You have with Trey and that beautiful baptism that we had earlier. I pray for believers in the room today that we would be challenged in our heart and encouraged in our soul to be people who pray for true believers. True believers are those who pray to the Lord. And so we'll thank You for what You teach us and bring to us today. For it is in the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. My dear friends, I just want to take a few minutes today and kind of explain this text to you and just give you maybe three simple points and then some ways to apply that in our daily life. So let me just jump right in today. Here's the first point from uh, these verses, and that is that Jesus expects true believers to pray. The expectation that Jesus has is that if you say that you are a believer, if you say, I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, He is the King of my life, I have turned from my sin, put my faith in Christ, the expectation that the Lord Jesus has is that if you name Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you will be a person of prayer. And you say, Steve, where where do you get that from the Bible? Well, look back down, if you would, at the beginning of verse number 5. Jesus says these words, when you you pray. Look at the beginning of verse number 6. But you, when you pray. And look again at the beginning of verse number 7. And when you are praying. And then again in verse number 9. Pray then this way. You see, the expectation that Jesus has of those who name the name of Christ and follow Him is that we will be people who pray to Him, who seek Him, who talk to Him, who commune with Him, and pour our lives out to Him both individually with our families and corporately as a church body. That Jesus expects us to pray. The text that is in front of you on your lap, it doesn't say if you pray, if you'd like to pray, if you think this is a good idea. No, Jesus takes for granted that if you're a disciple, when you pray. I just want you to pause for a moment and take a deep breath spiritually and ask yourself, over the course of the last seven days since we met here last Sunday, what has your prayer life looked like? Honestly. Now look, nobody's beating you over the head. Nobody's coming at you. Nobody is trying to defeat you, condemn you, judge you, or hurt you. We're just simply trying to be honest. And you see, real real leadership is when you define reality for people. That's what genuine leadership does. It defines reality. And so I'm just asking you right now, I'm helping you to define reality in your own life. If you name Jesus as your Lord and Savior... What does the last seven days look like for you in your life of prayer? 
Maybe you might start at the baseline and say, well, I pray every time I take a meal and I ask the Lord to bless the meal and I thank for the Lord for those who have prepared the meal. I want to say for all of us today that that's a wonderful place to begin and I don't think you should neglect that. I'm not saying that every time or if you're out around, I'm not saying you have to do that all the time or every time you take a snack that you have to pray, right? Uh, I was eating the other day and I accidentally took a couple of tortilla chips over here at El Rodeo before somebody prayed over over them, and I thought, oh my Lord Jesus, did I just swallow arsenic because it had not been prayed over, right? I don't think if you eat a couple of tortilla chips before you have prayed over it that you stand under the judgment of God. But I want to ask you, have you begun this week? Now, did, you, did you pray over your meals and just begin at that very basic level? And then I, I just want to move up from that and ask you, in your life as a believer, did you spend maybe just one minute each day this last week in prayer? Could you honestly say, now of course, you know, everybody in the room say, oh yeah, I pray, but I mean, just think there for a moment and, and think back through the last week and ask yourself, did I really pray or did I think about praying? Did I really pray or did I just know that I should pray? Did I really pray or did I just know that the Bible says it and I kind of said something as I was going or I had a thought like, oh Jesus, help, I need something or you were walking in the office and you needed some help in the moment. I will get to that in a moment, but I just want to say to us, most of us think about prayer, but not all believers practice prayer. And I just want to encourage you to pray over your meals. I want to encourage you to take at least one minute every day of your life to pray to God. And say, I would just say to you today, if you go multiple days out of your life without addressing and speaking and having conversation with God, maybe there's some deeper questions that you should ask when you're alone sometime. If I don't talk to God on some sort of semi-regular basis, am I really in a relationship with Him? So I'm married. You all know Connie. And if I went four or five days without speaking to Connie, I promise you we would have a come to Jesus meeting. Can I get an amen from a man in this room somewhere? Oh, now y'all y'all want to be quiet and say, oh, me, right? Every time I come from work, you know, my wife, my wife's probably like your wife. She said, how's your day? Good. Well, what'd you do? I don't know. Worked. Uh, well, who'd you talk with? I don't know. Some people. Well, where'd you? They want to conversate. They want some conversation. They want to talk. They want to commune. They want to live in relationship. And if my constant mode of life is to shun or ignore or better yet, what if the only time that I have conversation with my wife is when I want something from her? I would say there would be something wrong with the relationship. And I just want to, I want to say to you today, if you look over the last seven days of your week and you feel like, man, four or five days just came and went and blew by and I never even talk with God at all. So I want you to begin by praying over your meals. I want you to think about spending time at least one or two minutes a day in prayer. But let's move that up a notch for believers in here. I want to say to you, many of us in this room 
we focus and concentrate deeply on things that matter to us. We will, we'll, we will study. Now listen, there are some of you that are in school and you'll pull an all-nighter to make an A on an exam. There are others of you here and in your career path, you would work, I mean, night and day and fly across the world to go to a conference if you thought for a moment that you could get a promotion or more money or a leg up or a new business or a better model of living. You would give your full concentration to that. And I just want to say, is it possible that somewhere during this next week that you could take a few minutes and give your entire concentration and heart and mind and soul to praying? I mean, really uttering speech from your mouth in a mode relating prayer to God saying, I need you. Help me. This is going on in my life. This is going on with my family. This is going on with my uh, church. This is what's going on in my state and in my nation. I have a feeling that many of us read our Twitter accounts and we're quick to watch CNN, but we are not quick to pray. Everybody has what they think the nation ought to be run, but do we go to God and say, you run the nation the way you think it ought to be run? I I just want to encourage you to have a more focused time of prayer. And look, I'm not beating you up. This is on me too. I think prayer is is one of the more difficult disciplines because it doesn't give the instant gratification and it's not extremely tangible in the moment. Isn't that right? You know, if I say to you, I want you to leave here today and I want you to read 15 chapters this next week in your Bible, there is something in you that you can read and you can check it off and you can say, I read those words, it's materialistically in front of me, there it is. But sometimes when we pray, we close our eyes and we go to God and I'm like you, I'm nothing more than you. There are times when I pray and I feel like, man, maybe the insulation in this room is thick because my prayers are bouncing back down. Are you there? Are you listening? Is this an exercise in futility? I have those feelings as well too. But I want to say to us, let us be the kind of disciplined people that go to the Lord in prayer. We want the Lord to show up in our lives. But do you show up in the prayer closet for him. Let me make a second point. Verse number five through verse number seven. Not only does Jesus expect true believers to pray, but Jesus contrasts fake and faithful prayer for us so that you see what to do. Now you'll notice, I want you to see that verse six is right in the middle of verse five and verse seven. Many of you are saying, yes, that is incredibly obvious. I'm working on a PhD to be able to tell you that. But Notice the statement in verse number 5. There are two, three groups of people here. In verse number 5, there's the group of hypocrites. In verse number 7, you will see this group of Gentiles or heathens. And then verse number 6 is the center point. But you, these are disciples, true believers in Jesus. And there's a contrast that's going on. So let me just show you a little bit of the contrast between fake and faithful prayer. Look back down at the text of verse number 5. Look at fake prayer for a moment. It says, you are not to be like these hypocrited people, these these people that put on a mask and they're fake. Why? Because this is hypocritical or fake prayer. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners. Brothers and sisters, I want all of you to know for a moment that uh, God is not impressed 
With your eloquence and your word skills and your language ability, God is impressed from a humble heart that cries out to Him. There are people in this room right now and you say, man, I've heard Brother Wallace pray and I've heard our deacons pray and I've heard a pastor pray before. I just don't know that I can do that. I want you to understand, God hears you when you pray. God wants to hear your heart language. God wants you to pray as if you're communing and talking with Him. Now don't forget, God's not a dude or a buddy. God's not your BFF. God is the holy God of the universe. And when you go to Him, you should show reverence and awe for His goodness. But you go knowing that He is the lover of your soul and He cares deeply for you. Talk with God in your language. Amen? You might be in here today and say, man, I hear people pray and they're quoting Scriptures all over the place. Now listen, if you quote Scriptures in your prayer, more power to you. I think that's wonderful. That is beautiful. I do it from time to time. But I want all the rest of us in here today to understand this. God wrote the Bible and He already knows what's in there, okay? If you're here and you say, I don't know the verses, He does. He does. And you're okay. Don't be fake. God is not impressed with your fake prayers. What's to say of these fake people? They want to stand in the street corners and in the synagogues. They want, they want to be outward. Look at verse number 6. Look at the contrast. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, right? Not standing in the, in the street corners and the synagogues, but you go into your inner room and you close the door and you pray in secret. Do you see the contrast? Fake prayer is that which wants to be seen and that which is outward and that which seeks to please mankind. Inward and real and faithful prayer is that which seeks to please the Lord Jesus Christ for God to look upon us. Now, there's nothing wrong with the public prayer. The Bible is replete with that kind of teaching. We pray in public. We pray as a conversation. But in your life, go into your secret place. Find that inner room. And by the way, listen, I've seen the movie War Room, and it is beautiful and wonderful. And if you have a closet in your house where you can go and pray, that is wonderful. I don't have a closet to do that, so I have one seat on that left end of the couch and a good hot cup of coffee, coffee with some hazelnut creamer to the glory of Jesus. Every morning, that's where my prayer time takes place. You don't have to have a closet decked out to pray. But you ought to have an inner secret place where you can close the door and get alone with God and pray. Fake prayer is that outward. Real faithful prayer is inward prayer. Oh, I wish I could talk to you for a long time today. and You can tell. Now listen, I don't want you to get scared. You can tell, uh, and, and this is just being honest, when you're with, with, when you're with people and you listen to somebody pray, you can tell whether that person prays privately or if it's a foreign practice to them. Usually they're, and I'm just being, I'm being honest with you. You want me to be honest, right? You, you, can, you know, come on, don't be, you know. You know when you're listening to somebody and all they've got is a bunch of fillers and things they heard in a sermon or a colloquialism or some sort of Instagram post and, and I, I, that's all these, these flowery things they're throwing out. You know when you hear that and then when you hear somebody that's got a deeply broken heart, doesn't have all the words, but you know something real is going on there and they are calling to God from the inner part of, the, uh, of their heart. 
I was with a guy praying. I think I told you all this one time. I was with a prayer, one, a prayer warrior when I first started learning more about prayer. And I remember I was I, in my heart, I had an arrogant attitude. I was trying to impress. And I thought, man, I'm just going to I'm going to lay the thunder down on this. I prayed. I prayed. I gave everything I got. And I listened to him. Man, I had just a weak, crackling, broken voice. And there was more in about 20 seconds of his prayers than I had in a lifetime. Your family will know that you're fake. Your spouse will know that you're fake. Your friends will know that you're fake. And here's the best thing you can do today. If you have a fake prayer life, why don't you just be real, realistic with yourself right now and say, you know what, that's me. I may not even be trying to please other people, but I'm trying to act like I have more than I do in my prayer life. And just talk to God right now and say, man, I'm a fake, I'm a phony. And here's the thing, I don't want to be that way anymore. I want you to teach me how to pray. I want to know you. And get real with your prayer life. Look, a couple of more contrasts. So, uh, look back at verse number five. They go in the street corners, and then look at whenever you see "so that" in your Bible, it gives you the reason why. It's an argumentation phrase. So that they may be seen by who? By people? By men? Look back down at verse number six. You go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret. Fake prayer always wants to be seen by people. Real, faithful prayer always wants to be seen by God. And can I just pause and give a premature application here? This is encouraging. We were on the reading group on Friday, and uh, I don't cry, but sometimes if a room's dusty, my eyes get a little watery. Okay, every guy in here knows what I'm talking about. Man, I just I hit my heart for a moment. Isn't that great? When you have faithful prayer, God sees you. Now, there's probably some teenagers and there's some uh, kids in here today. I remember when I was a kid, and you, if the pastor would have said, God sees you, I would have been thinking, oh my goodness, that's the judgment of God because I would always play during prayer time and I would always look around. Come on, y'all looking at me all pious. Y'all did the same thing when you were a kid. Come on. God is seeing me, some you know, bearded, white, old man up there with a lightning bolt ready to get you. But I want to say to everybody that's matured, probably into, uh, into our young teenagers and up all the way into our 80s and 90s, you should find some encouragement from the fact that God sees you when you pray. He's running the world and He's holding the solar system in space. And he does all of that in one hand and he turns his head and he looks over at you when you bow in prayer in Raleigh, North Carolina. God sees you. God loves you. And he's there. You may come across a time in your life where you feel like nobody cares and nobody understands. And nobody knows what you're going through. And can I tell you a word of wisdom here from counseling? Don't run around telling everybody, I know just what you're going through. You don't. Okay, You may have experienced the same thing, but everybody is a different person and wired differently and they're going through that with different emotions. But what you can do is come alongside of somebody and say, I want you to understand that God does see you and He does love you and He does care for you. And if nobody else in the world knows what's going on, He does. Amen? Amen? He sees us. Uh, one more contrast and then we'll... Uh, 
We'll call it, uh, move to the next one. Look at the end of verse number 5. So that they may be seen of men. And then look, fake prayer has its reward already. Truly I say to you, they have the reward. And somebody asked me, what does that mean? What reward do they have? They have the reward of their own ego being built up. Oh man, did you see how good that lady prayed? She's a great prayer. Man, I, that person must be really spiritual. If that's what you're seeking for people to do, guess what? You got your reward in this lifetime. Soak it up and love it. But look at verse number 6. Look at the end. And your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you openly. Whose reward do you want to have? Yours reward from other people or the reward of God? I think that's pretty self-explanatory and we all get that. Right? So Jesus contrasts fake and faithful prayer. Let me, I'll just finish up on that point. Verse number seven is this group of heathen. And look what it says. And when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, uh, just so, or the heathen. Uh, it just means that they're kind of repeating these same prayers over and over and over and over again. Right? For they, now here's the explanation. Why do they do that? For they suppose that they will be heard Because God is great? No. They suppose that they will be heard for their much speaking. Alright? So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need before you ask Him. Somebody asked me one time, they said, well in that text, if God knows what we have need of before we ask, then should we not ask? That is not at all what this text is dealing with. You see, what it's saying here is these people before, these heathen, these Gentiles, what they're doing is putting all of their trust and their faith in their own prayer life. That if I say the right words and I do the right thing and I do it over and over and over and over again, that I can twist the arm of God and force something to happen because of what I am doing in my prayer life. And what God wants us to do is say, listen, understand this. The power is not in us. The power is in the God who we pray to. So yes, keep praying for whatever it is that you're praying for. But don't think for a moment that if you say the right words and you put the right amount of change into the vending machine that somehow you can twist the arm of God. He already knows. You don't have to suppose. Put your trust in God. Third point we'll finish for today. In verse 9 through verse number 13, Jesus expresses uh, every true, uh, expects every true believer to pray. Jesus contrasts fake and faithful prayer. And then in verse 9 to 13, Jesus simply gives true believers a simple and yet rich formula for prayer. I mean, I, I fought this week about should I use the word formula or not. Uh, you can decide on your own. I think it's okay. There's just a way of praying here. This isn't the way you have to pray every time. I would just say to you, use this as a model or a formula or a way to think about your own prayer life. These disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father, and watch this formula. Stay with me, okay? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's. I think we want to start our prayer life with praise and adoration and glory to God. 
When you begin to pray, say, Steve, I'm looking for a form. I'm looking for a way that I can help pray in my life. I would say, when you begin to pray seriously to the Lord, begin with praise to God. But I have sin in my life. I should start with confession. No, begin with praise. And do you know what will happen? There will be a tension in your soul. But I have sin, but I want to praise God. I, I have sin, I can't praise God. But the more that you begin with praise, the deeper the reflection upon your own sinfulness and your own wickedness and how unworthy you are of His grace. Greatness, and when you get to the moment of confession, it'll be a greater confession, and it'll be a more fully orbed confession, and it'll do your soul right. But I have needs, and I want God to do this. And you don't understand, I've got a friend in the hospital. Begin with praise, and it will rightly order your petitions. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Begin with praise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe we could use the broad category of surrender, yielding. Thy kingdom come, not my will be done, not my kingdom. See, I want Steve to be in charge of everything, don't you? Ah, man, you were supposed to say yes. You want Steve to be in charge. I'm just messing with you. Surrender. I want to be in charge of everything. You want to be in charge of everything. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The only realm in all of creation that is allowed by design to have the capacity to rebel at the kingdom authority of God is the human heart. Everything else in creation does exactly what He wants at every moment, at every turn. And God has designed human personality to even be able to spit in His face and say, no, I'll be my own king. And what God wants you to do is surrender your heart and your mind and your soul to Him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Surrender. Give us this day our daily bread. What about petition? Right? Now we want to go from praising God to surrendering our life to Him. And now we ask for petition. We say, Lord, this is what we need. This is what is going on in our life. I want you to notice here, God is interested in the future and you can pray for future things. You can ask Him and He'll provide all of that. God is interested in your past. He has forgiven all of that. But I think just for a moment, I want you to try and practice to learn to live in the moment every day. Releasing the past, releasing the sins, releasing the pain, allowing God to be in control of that, not worrying for tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble for its own, but in the moment, seeking and protecting petitioning and asking God for the grace to help in this very moment. What do you need today from God? And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those trespassed against us. Confession. Confession. This past Wednesday night we talked about confession from James chapter 5 and verse number 16 and Matthew chapter number 18. And I want to say to all of you, if uh, unless you have work plans or something, you're not able, I want to encourage you to come this Wednesday night. We've been going through this series now, working on some of the spiritual disciplines of our life. And uh, look, you can come. You can come 515 all the way up to 620. These people here are going to serve you with a smile because they know that you work. They know that you're doing these things all week and you got kids. Come if you can. Eat a meal. You can eat while we teach and pray. If you're healthy, we got salads. If you're not, we got stuff for that too. 
There's always good desserts. Come on Wednesday night and learn some of these spiritual disciplines of confession. Giving our life to the Lord, forgiving other people, and gaining forgiveness from the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some people in this room today, and it's not just because I know you. I would say this no matter what church I was in. There are people right here, and you have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody else. And I, I want you to see that God is very serious about forgiveness and granting that to each other. And you can read it and study it and bring me some commentaries if you want. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. But at least in that verse and verse 14 and 15, it's kind of a scary couple of verses because it almost, it almost seems like at first reading that your forgiveness from God is contingent upon your forgiveness of other people. You read that however you want and work through it. Here's what I think the text is saying. If you're the kind of person that doesn't forgive others, that is evidence that you have never experienced the true forgiveness of Jesus Christ on the cross for your own sins. People who are believers are forgiving people because they know that they have been forgiven of their own sin by Jesus Christ. Amen? And then protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. You know, when I pray through this weekly, I'll say, Lord... If you don't protect me and if you don't keep me, I will wander into all kinds of temptation and sin. I'm sorry if my voice isn't loud enough today. I'm not feeling the best. So if you can't hear me in the back, I'll try my best. I pray that the Lord would protect me from temptation and sin because if He doesn't, I will wander into that all by myself without any help. It reminds me of that hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Deliver us from all evil. And what's the basis of all of that? My goodness, my ability, my strength, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He is in control. That's a basic formula of prayer that Jesus puts out there. I want to say to you, for the last two millennia, Christians have been praying this way in their lives every single day. Many of you might have grown up in a religious tradition where you memorized it, but it became uh, rote duty to you. I want to say revive that in your life. Use those as categories to think through all of these things of prayer and surrender and petition and confession and protection and all of these things. Use those in your life. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, when I find a dry spell in my life, I go back to the Lord's Prayer. And I think it was Martin Luther himself that said that the day was so busy that he must need to spend the first three hours of every day in prayer. I'm not sure that I can do that. And I'm not expecting that from you, but I want to say to you, start with prayer. Amen? Let me give you just a couple of things, the way you can work that out. Say, Steve, how, how does this issue of prayer work in our life? How can I apply that? Let me, let me give you a couple of places to start. Prayer is vital to the mission of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Here, we proclaim the gospel and reflect the kingdom. Look, we don't have a choice. All of Raleigh is going to hell without Jesus. I told you before, I told you last week, in just two zip codes around us, there's 45,000 people 
We don't have a choice. They're dying. Your mission from God is to give the gospel. We proclaim the gospel to lost and dying people. I hope that you'll leave here today owning with us as a staff and as leaders and as a church. You have buy-in to this. If you're a believer, you don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. If we want to live as a church, if we want to fulfill God's commandment, we have to tell the world about Jesus. And here's something I do, and I was going to talk to the staff tomorrow, but I'll talk to now here's something you could do basic so i have an alarm on my phone and at 1002 every morning at 1002 every morning i uh, i pray luke 102 I just set an alarm on my phone. As soon as it goes off, I just pray Luke 10 to. That's where the Lord Jesus, the only time Jesus ever gave a prayer request in the Bible was this. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into it. He's the Lord of the harvest and He's the Lord that sends the laborers. About 10.02 every morning, pray for God to send forth laborers. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying that God would take all of the membership of our church and that tomorrow and the rest of the week, He would give you opportunities to share the gospel with unbelievers and to invite people to come and hear the Word of God and all of the events and the things that we do, that He would use you as evangelistic tools in our community, praying that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers. I prayed that for you every single day this week, and I'm asking that God would answer that prayer in your life. Would you pray that along with me? That's a simple way that you could do. Uh, you know that at the beginning of the year, we've talked about how we have our three-month-at-a-time little uh, little sheet that tells all the events. Why don't you pick one of those up and just pray for those events a long way. Let's pray for those things as we go. Let me, uh, let me give you a couple of more. Uh, I would say that prayer is vital to the second part of our mission here to reflect the kingdom. That is, that we pray for each other to live holy lives, to bear each other's burdens, and to ask God to give us power and strength in our life. Here's maybe something you could do. Could you fast maybe one meal on the first Wednesday of every month? Maybe a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner. Just fast one meal on the first Wednesday of every month and pray for your life and your family and your church life that God would help us to proclaim the gospel and reflect the kingdom in our own lives. Last Sunday, we had our prayer time at the end of the service, and we're doing that all year long. The last Sunday of every month, we have prayer here for anybody who needs it or wants it, and we're going to have our leaders call upon the Lord right down here on the last Sunday of the month. Would you join us for that? Those are basic ways that you can get started praying and seeking God in your life. If you're here right now and you say, man, I'm still skeptical. I don't know Jesus. All of this. I want you to understand there are two prayers that God will answer for unbelievers. In the book of Acts, a man named Cornelius prayed for God to reveal truth to him and God did reveal truth by bringing him the gospel. There's another man who is a publican and a sinner and he prays this prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, but He's tapping on your heart, I want to tell you that from a sincere and a humble heart, if you'll say, yes, I do believe that Jesus is God's Son. I do believe that He died on the cross and rose again. And I do believe that if I turn from myself and I turn to Him, that He'll save me. If you pray with a sincere and a humble heart and ask Him to be the Lord of your life, He will save you today. You can pray that prayer and have the beginning of your prayer life answered by the God above. Amen? And for the rest of us, let us leave here today not leaving prayer to some sort of special set of people
who are super spiritual. Let us leave here today recognizing, hey, God expects me to pray. He has shown me the difference between fake and faithful prayer. And wouldn't you know it, Jesus didn't leave us in a lurch or out in the dark. Jesus said, here's a simple model for you to get started in your prayer life. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. I'm not going to call you out, ask you to do anything. In just a moment, we'll stand together. We'll sing a closing hymn together. And it might just be that you would like to come down and pray on these altars. I want to say these steps here uh, you, you know, is a great way just to commit publicly and come down and pray. Give your heart and life to the Lord. Maybe you're here today. So, man, I, I need some more information about a relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you to remain after the service and talk with one of us. We would love to help you. This young man that got baptized today, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, Last Sunday, we had a 53-year-old lady trust Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Maybe this would be the day for you. For the rest of our people, I want you to, I want you to just ask the Lord, how am I doing in my prayer life? Don't be judged. Don't, don't get uh, defeated. Simply confess it. Ask for help. And He will help you.